Do babies have a natural instinct to sleep? Getting a better understanding of what my partner needed and what my children really needed, that's made a huge difference. Yes, yeah. otherwise I can get a little bit overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah, I think lots of parents can relate to yeah. that. You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt. Little boys can have some big emotions. My son is four and he can go from yelling at me, to crying, to laughing, while the tears are still in his eyes and running down his cheeks. It can be a bit perplexing. Anthony Saman is an early learning researcher and educator who's passionate about raising our children with respect and understanding. He's here to talk about boys and their emotions. Hi, Anthony. How are you? I'm really well and it's great to be back. It's great to have you. Now, there are certain ages when children start to feel really big emotions and express them loudly. Are there different ages for this um, between girls and boys, or is it about the same? Look, I think it's about the same, and we really see this starting to play out in toddlerhood, I must say. You know, they're, they're, they're discovering themselves, they're learning how to take care of themselves and the world around them, and the things that really matter to them, which in many cases don't matter to us, like their <laughs> toys. But um, So, you know, their growing autonomy brings up a whole heap of other things like emotions that they've never encountered before, self-regulation, which is so important, but they're still trying to master that. And us adults just look in perplexment, just looking at these kids going, what is going on? And, <laughs> you know, we have to enter the lives of these young boys and try to figure out as best we can how to connect with them. Yes. Um, Do you think boys and girls express their emotions differently? Do you know, there's a lot of conversation around that out there and much of the research would say, and and many of us would have this experience, it's what you're socialised into. And let me explain that to you. I've had some experience in boyhood because I was raised one and I still (laughs) am one. um, We... The way in which we message to young children about how they should behave does vary. You know, I I was listening to um, uh, someone talk about some research recently around gender bias in adulthood and, and how we have particular ingrained ideas about how women should be and how men should be. And I think that starts from a very young age. So what boys are getting are these messages about what does it mean to be a boy and how should you behave? So, you know, when they fall over, we're like, come on, mate, get up, you'll be fine. And what they're really learning is don't cry. It's not okay. And when the girl, you know, she tumbles over, like, are you okay, honey? Let's get you a pink band. (laughs) And they're like, okay. And they, you know, the attention is lovely. Some of us yearn for that kind of attention. So I think there's messages that these young boys are getting about how they should behave. Some of it is okay, and some of it, I think, leaves us watching on the sidelines going, is this really what we want our young boys to be as men? So in, in short, I think we, they do react differently, nature or nurture. I think it's a mix of both, actually. Mm, well, I mean, it's, this is interesting for me at the moment because my son, who's four, about four and a half now, I want him to feel comfortable crying. I don't want to tell him to stop crying. But sometimes I get confused because I'll think, well, I want you to be able to cry, but I also don't want you to be upset about things that aren't going to hurt you. I guess what I'm saying is I'm trying to work out how do you approach a young boy who you want to feel him to feel comfortable crying, but you also want him to have some kind of emotional awareness so that he knows that not everything is going to destroy his world. Yeah. Do you know, I, 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 when I think about... Just some of your comments there. I, I think about where I feel really tearful 
in life and it's when I see men cry. Like we're not used to watching men cry. They they cry on telly and we fall apart, you know. Um, we, we, we watch movies and men are really soppy and we get all soppy and I just don't think we're ready for it. We want our men tough and we want our boys tough and we won't admit it. But, you know, when they get upset, there's kind of order is never there. We're kind of going, what's happening to him? So... I don't think anybody wants any child to experience pain, but I think it raises more questions than answers when it's a young boy. And, you know, children find it really hard to figure out what really matters. It's short-term thinking, so they would probably more likely trade you in than their car right now. (laughs) I mean, they love you, you feed them, but they're probably thinking, take her. I know. Leave the Lego behind. You know, there's only (laughs) one Lego. I'm sure I've seen other mothers on the streets before. Um, And as much as she loves me, the other one looked nice as well. But here's the thing. You know, when, when, when when they're crying, what do we do? And this is a really big thing for us to talk about and try to explore, you know, as bystanders and parents. Often we talk about empathy. And I say, put that aside. It's attunement. And I'll, I'll explain the difference there. Empathy is, I see the world in the way that you see it. Attunement is, I feel the world in the way that you feel it. So he's sitting there and he's crying over his wheat bix And you're thinking, really, mate? Have you seen my workload? Like, if I were to cry every time I experience this, the world, you know, water, waterproof mascara every day, 24-7. <laughs> But what we need to do when we're seeing these young boys cry is to put aside empathy and say, he's feeling pain. There is absolute pain. It's not for me to judge where that pain is coming from or whether it's worthwhile, but there is pain. Don't worry what it's about because it's about wheat because I mean, that's trivial, but we know 20 minutes later, it might be that there's no more bubble bath left. And the pain will come up again. So attunement means we enter that space with that child. We look them in the eye and we say, this must be really sad for you. I can remember I felt like that once or twice or 10 times, whatever, you know, and just kind of connect with that child's pain because all the child is asking often is not to solve it for them, but actually, do you know how I'm feeling? Now, what we want to do as bystanders and parents is rush to a solution. But we can't rush to a solution because really the solution in the long term is let's self-regulate. Life is, you're going to have some problems along the way. And maybe you'll learn in 20 years that you wish you still had weak, big problems, but you've got bigger (laughs) problems like colleagues you don't get on with or a, a leader who isn't very lovely to you. So that attunement means we enter that space emotionally with that child and connect with them. And sometimes it means just sitting side by side look them in the eye and say, you look really upset, mate. And you don't actually have to, you know, try and piece the wheat bix back together. No, or... because nothing you're going to do is going to solve it for them. No. The way you put the wheat bix together, they want it the other way together. Yes. And we, you know, so it just creates more havoc. And here's the thing, you know, when people um, get really upset, it's not the time you want to hear a lecture. It's not the time you want to hear, get over it. you've blown it out of proportion. It's actually the time you want someone just to sit and go, wow, it's really upsetting because we're not hearing. Nothing around us we can hear. The emotional pain mutes 
everything around us. And what we want to do is go, you'll be fine. You'll be okay. It's only wheat bix How about I give you another one? And they can't hear anything because there's so much pain internally. Everything is muted. So physically is what they need to hear us, see us, kind of feel us next to them going, you're really upset. Let's t- take your time. I'm here for you. And then you know what I would do? Because children don't forget. We often think, if I don't tell them now, they're going to forget. I did this experiment once with some children where I got them to sniff some chocolate eggs. Um, And I hid where the chocolate eggs were. And 12 months later, I asked them if they remembered where the eggs were. Because I I put them in a place where they could see. And 12 months later, they all pointed to on top of the (laughs) cupboard and said, there it is. And I thought, children don't forget. No. So what does that mean? When a child has one of these melt-in moments, a young boy is kind of freaking out and emotionally kind of devastated. Tomorrow when we're sitting down having our wheat bix again and everything is calm, I would just sit with him and say, mate, I was thinking about yesterday. You got really upset. Do you want to talk about it? What happened? Do you know it's going to happen again? How are we going to deal with it? And people tend to think, I've got to talk about it now. Just remember, chocolate eggs 12 months later, they remembered where it was. So they will remember yesterday when they were upset. Yeah. Uh, And much easier to talk about when they're not crying. Absolutely. Is it ever appropriate just to say to them, why are you crying? Tell me why you're crying. Not like, why are you crying? Stop crying. But can you tell me what's happened? Are they in a place they can answer you then? Or is that, again, something you just put to the one side? You know, I don't know. I mean, it's about knowing your child. I often randomly cry without knowing why I'm crying. Like, you know, I just, things trigger emotions in us. I think you can ask that. I think it's really important. Why? Because we're helping the child to locate that niggle, that moment that triggered something. But if they don't know, all we can do is normalize it and say, I sometimes cry, actually, and I don't know why I'm crying. Or sometimes I cry, and a bit later on, I just think maybe I didn't have to cry. (laughs) You know, emotions are like a roller coaster. You have your ups and your downs, and, you know, the downs make us so grateful for the ups. That's the reality. We can't just have this plateau of emotions. But talking about emotions with children is really important. There's a lot to be said about emotional literacy. For some reason, we have turned the language of emotions for young boys into happy and sad. And now, I think there's more than that. I experience more than that. There's devastation, there's anxiety, there's fear. Like, And I think if we can start talking to young boys and giving them greater emotional literacy then they can start to link how they're feeling with language that we can all connect with. So you're saying you're really, I see that you're crying. See, I would withhold from saying you look upset. Maybe they're not upset. Maybe they're just devastated or let down. Say, you're crying. What's happening for you? Now, some people would go, that would totally fly above my child's head. There is an opportunity here to learn about emotions with young children. So increase your child's emotional literacy. Ask them how they're feeling first and why they're feeling it second. How are you feeling, mate? I'm feeling sad. Why are you feeling that? My wheat bix was broken. (laughs) Okay. That sounds like it's really important to you. See, we can trivialize that and say, it's only wheat bix. Remember, they'll trade us in for that wheat bix right there and then say, (laughs) it must be very important to you. How are we going to deal with the rest of the broken wheat picks in the box? 
<laughs> Throw it out, Mum. You're listening to Kindling Conversation. I'm speaking with Anthony Saman. He's an early learning researcher and educator. And we're talking about little boys with big emotions. I definitely have one of those now. Um, so how would you respond if your little boy is having a monumental meltdown, mm. but his way of responding to it is throwing things, maybe mm. being a bit aggressive and physically tantruming. Yeah. Here's some really sound piece of advice to all the parents out there. Natural consequences for inconsiderate behaviour. Now, what do I mean by that? If you're throwing your toys around, the natural consequence is not you can't have dessert. That's not the natural consequence. And I'll tell you why I'm anti this kind of random consequences when they're doing things. Because then we lack consistency as parents. And here's some piece of advice. Sit with the other significant adults in that child's life and start to write down what are the issues that we're facing and what should be the natural consequence. E.g., you're throwing your toys around. We're going to have to pack the toys away. You're hitting your baby sister. We're going to have to move you, not the baby sister. You don't want to eat your dinner. You can eat it later, but it might be cold. You're not going to put your sunscreen on. You can't go outside. Natural consequences. So he's on the ground. He's having this meltdown, usually in public in aisle five of the supermarket, (laughs) may I add. We're feeling a bit like we're being judged by everybody around us. Number one, make sure they're safe. Pillow underhead, look at them. Make sure everything's fine. We don't want an audience around. I would then announce, I'm here for you. And if they've thrown one toy, and I can see other weapons around, have a guess what I'm going to clear? The rest of the weapons. I'll be collecting all those little toys, which may be another trigger. But I would stay there and say, I'm holding them here. I'm not taking them away from you. Once you're okay, you tell me, and I can give them back to you. But I can't leave them around you because right now you're throwing them around the room. So the natural consequence is if you throw them, you might hurt someone. The best thing I can do is kind of take them away so you don't hurt anyone. But we won't go into punishment because punishment means, no, you can't have your toy. That's not, that's not a time to kind of punish someone. So the other thing is always stay calm as a parent. You know what you're experiencing? Probably simultaneously, 50,000 other parents right here, right now, have the same little boy on the ground melting down over something else. So kind of stay calm and composed, connect with him, normalise his feelings rather than making him shut it down. You know, I, I once did a course in Death, Dying and Mourning which was a very interesting course. And one of the first things they said is, all emotions are beautiful. But we get really freaked out when people cry, particularly adults, and then we pass them the tissue, which is a signal to shut up. Stop Mm. crying. Pack it away. And I remember the, uh, the lecturer said... Don't pass the tissues over. And I thought, how heartless. <laughs> how absolute. And he said, and from a very young age, we do this to babies and toddlers and preschoolers. We want to shut down emotions and we shouldn't. Just sit with them. I know we feel uncomfortable, but that's, this little young boy has to learn to be the master of his own emotions, not for us to stop them or aggravate them. Yeah. So interesting. Is there a way to distinguish anger from fear? 
Or is it even important to know the difference? I think it's important for the individual child to know that. And again, that goes back to that emotional literacy. Beautiful study. Best way to teach children emotional literacy is when you're reading them a book, point to the photo or the picture and ask them, how do you think this person is feeling? Teach them to identify those feelings in books. Because, yes, you know, fear... There are ways to deal with fear, and fear is usually an irrational thought. Sometimes it is rational, but it's an irrational thought that we have to work through, where anger often is a lack of self-regulation. And if we can teach young boys to figure out the difference between how we deal with fear and anger, I think we go a long way into raising some very healthy young men. And it could be as simple as saying, you know, you look scared, you look really scared. Talk to me about what you're scared about. And there is this thing out there in the psychology world about disputing negative thoughts. So we wouldn't do this with a three-year-old. But, you know, even as adults, you think, what evidence have I got right now that would suggest this fear is real? You know, here's this thing, and I'll just uh, touch on it very briefly. And it's something we can teach young children, but definitely adults as well. Feelings are real but they're not a reality. Just because you're scared doesn't mean something bad's going to happen. Some people are scared flying. Don't put me in a plane with them because if their feelings are real, that thing's coming out of the sky. (laughs) And you just have to reassure young boys, you might be scared, but it doesn't mean something bad's going to happen, but it's okay to be scared. Where anger, calm down. What are you angry about? Let's talk through it. I feel like we need to do a whole other hour and just fear and anger, but we might stop there. Anthony, thank you so much for coming in today. It's been great being back. Thank you so much. That's Anthony Saman. He's an early learning researcher and educator, and we'll put links up to Anthony's website. Just head to our website at kindling.com.au. You've been listening to Kindling Conversation. If you enjoyed it, there's plenty more where that came from. Find other stories and interviews at our website. Just head to kindling.com.au.